golfer Jim Chapman, 643-1290. And also star 1290 on the Cantel Network. As you know, uh, I'm kind of pinch-hitting for, um, for Jim Chapman, and it is time for left, right, and center. And uh, we have Marion Boyd on the left and Bob Metz on the right. So, uh, good morning to the two of you. Good morning. Good morning, Dan. We just really just met. Absolutely. And, um, <laughs> the the uh, Marion and Bob have been helpful in trying to uh, tell me the ground rules or <laughs> lay the ground rules down. For, we're making them up as we're going uh, along there. For left, right, and center. And as I as I mentioned, um, it's a pleasure meeting you, and and also to you. to let you know that uh, Jim, as we speak, is probably glued to the radio. This sounds very restful to me. I must say, <laughs> if you are listening, Jim, all our best. Uh, we miss you. Absolutely, get well soon. And if you're listening, you shouldn't be. That's exactly right. <laughs> exactly. I try telling him that, right? Yeah. So. Anyway, so the format of the program is, and then if we have new listeners in, certainly have a new, you know, new moderator right. here in the center. Uh, why don't you just give us a recap of what we're doing here and uh, and uh, how the best way to, to approach this? Well, Bob's the veteran of more than 100 shows. Yeah, it's hard to believe. Wow. We've been doing this since 97, I think, and uh, it's just sort of a philosophical overview of any issue of the day that may come up, or even more general issues. Um, sometimes we find that uh, the left and right are in agreement against the center. Sometimes it's right versus left. Sometimes all three of us agree. Sometimes all three of us disagree. So uh, it's been an interesting, uh, you know, few years for me particularly. I've learned a lot from this show. Uh, just having the opportunity to, to be here, which is something that Jim extended to me, and that's one of the things I'll always be thankful to him for. Um, in, in, in terms of learning, you know, how, how other people out there think about issues, not just uh, proselytizing my own point of view, and then listening one-on-one, -on -one, getting a chance to meet people like Marion and Jeff and, and some of the other guests that have come in uh, on, on the so-called left side, which is not always that cut and dry in terms mm -hmm. of, of, of a label, but we certainly do discuss issues from, I guess, that those label point of view. Wouldn't you say, Marion? I would say so. I think, uh, I mean, obviously we do have a broad uh, political spectrum in, in our country. And uh, when we look at at uh, the the various views that people have, uh, Robert's quite right. Uh, surprisingly, on some issues, the the left and and the right are much closer together than the the mushy middle, shall we say? And alternatively, sometimes we are very vehemently uh, in opposition to one another around around particular issues. Now, I was uh, we had uh, the deputy prime minister Herb Gray on today, and we were talking about tax relief and. Uh, um, this is one of Robert's favorite topics. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I don't know if you caught the interview or not, but uh, uh, Mr. Gray was pretty adamant that uh, Canadians are um, enjoying a, a lot of tax relief. And that one I just didn't buy. I mean, I don't... Uh, I don't buy that. I mean, I, I don't feel that we have seen any tax relief, but he was very adamant, and we we're talking about the throne speech as well, and that there was going to be more tax relief. But when I, I asked the question... And increased spending at the same time and on social programs. Where have I heard this promise before? <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I mean, it, is it just me? It, it, you know, are, you know have, have the two of you uh, noticed a, a higher standard? I asked, you mean uh, to tell me that we have a higher standard of living? 
and he believes that we indeed do. And I'm having a hard time swallowing that one. Well, higher than what, though? Higher than the, what we had before, higher than other countries, no. which we seem to be getting compared to a lot. Um, well, because there's no question in terms of other countries uh, that, uh, you know, all of the, the judgment is that we, in fact, enjoy a fairly high standard of living. There's growing concern about the growing gap between those of us who are most well-off and those of us who live in poverty. Uh, and, and I think that concern is, is uh, definitely something that we should be very mindful of because they, there's, there's real evidence that as that gap grows, our, our society finds itself facing a lot of different social and criminal justice issues that uh, you don't generally find when that gap is, is, is less. So I think that's, that's one part. I mean, it depends on who you're talking about, whether they've enjoyed tax relief uh, and what province you're talking about, mm. whether people have enjoyed tax relief. I mean, certainly in, in this province, given what the uh, Ontario government has done, uh, those who uh, earn in the, in the upper uh, tax brackets have, have certainly seen a considerable amount of relief mm. in dollar terms. Um, and uh, certainly corporations, their, their share of the, of the overall tax burden has dropped consistently over the last 25 years. But, they, but big business is still reaching out for more tax relief. Well, sure, with 25%, 34% profits, they, they, want, uh, they want a bigger and bigger share of their own pie. You have to understand there, that there's no such thing as a tax bracket, really, in the, in the bottom line of things. If the rich people in this country who are getting rich by selling the poor people products from our grocery store cars have to pay more taxes, they just pass the taxes along to the rest of us. We pay it. We pay it in the cereal you eat. You pay it in the milk you buy, which is you know milk marketing board. You pay it in the in your eggs you buy. Egg marketing board. These are monopolized prices, uh, inflated to keep certain people in 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 a voting industry in business. You see it, uh, you know, in, in everything that you buy. So that when 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 we have certain parties saying that we what we have to tax the rich, which is that old Marxist slogan, uh, you're taxing the poor at the same time because the thing they do if they're not politicians or criminals is create goods and services for people to buy. Well, and that's, that's certainly true as long as you things. have a regressive tax system. If you have a progressive tax system and you rely more heavily on progressive taxation, then the burden shifts in the opposite direction. I, I right disagree. now, we depend we very a... heavily on, on sales tax, both federally and, and provincially. The mm. GST, which, of course, the Liberals were going to do away with, they haven't done that. In fact, they're enjoying a surplus largely because of the income that they're getting from the GST. And, and the province, um, in, in both uh, instances, uh, they are, uh, you know, depending upon a very regressive form of taxation. The download to the municipalities uh, of services that uh, occurred under the uh, current Tory government here in Ontario, again, uh, puts more and more burden on property tax, which is a regressive tax. By a regressive tax, I obviously mean a tax that takes absolutely no account of your ability to pay. If you uh, are, are living on $500 a month and you buy some of the goods and services that Robert spoke of, uh, you pay the same level of tax as you do if you're earning $100,000 a month. Uh, and the same with property tax. Uh, it takes absolutely no account of the ability of people uh, to pay that tax. The tax goes up according to the, the uh, uh, budgets of, of, of different governments. I'm astounded. If, in I, fact, I actually you agree have, with your last point here well, about property taxes being regressive, but they're regressive. I wouldn't agree that, that sales taxes are. I would call that an equal tax. Everybody no, no, pays it's a regressive eight, eight tax. Well, by regressive, you mean that people in lower 
income brackets have to pay the same rate of tax as have people to pay in higher a higher income. proportion of their income. This is the issue. Well, if I only have a dollar, that if I only have a dollar well. and I have to pay eight cents, mm -hmm. it takes a huge chunk out of my my dollar compared to if and, I have a hundred dollars. And if the government wants to make up for that on your tax return, they can give you tax credits and things to make up for things like that. That's but nevertheless, if fact. I go out and buy a bag of groceries for, say, thirty dollars, whether I'm rich or poor, are you saying that the, the bag of groceries should be a different price to poor people than it should be to rich people? And no. if so, if not, no. then why are no, you applying no, that no, principle No, to I'm taxes? not saying that, Robert. What I'm saying is we shouldn't be so dependent upon a tax like the sales tax that takes no account of people's ability to pay. We should be depending far more on a progressive taxation system. Well, hang on a that, second. That sales tax is a, occurs at a time when you are, when you have money to go and buy something. If I go out and buy a car, it is assumed that I have the money to buy the car. Well, this is, this is exactly the, the difference between us. Because you look at this from the perspective of somebody I'm who not, has... I'm not speaking in favor of these taxes, by the who way. Who has just... dollars. Uh, the, one of the real issues, if, you, if you're earning $100,000 a year, you don't feel the same about sales tax as you do if you're only making $100 a month. It's a very, very different situation. And yet, yeah, that guy who makes $100,000 is paying for a, 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 a good or a service exactly the same amount as the person who has little income. Whereas if we were doing a properly progressive tax system that took account of how much money people earn and, and taxed them appropriately on that, then, in fact, the share would be larger. Well, well you know, I've always been saying that the first twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars of anybody's earnings should be tax-free. That that should be the basic personal exemption. And then after that, a flat tax for everyone on the income level. On the on the property tax level, I agree with you that property taxes are regressive, and they should not be based on. But they should be based on, on not just some mill rate that the that the city decides it's going to spend on, but on services that are given directly to that property, which would include its roads, sewers, and services. And, you know, property tax initially was supposed to be for the hard services, your, your roads, your sewers, your sidewalks. Now the sewer is paid for on, on, on the London Hydro Bill, mm -hmm. and they've removed it from that base. And now they're making all kinds of other promises that this 50% increase we're going to have over the next five or so years will be a one-time thing, wh which we know it's not going to be. It's going to be up there permanently, and the increases will keep going. Um, I mean, this is, this is just gross mismanagement of, 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 of the basic things that these taxes were meant to pay for. The question I hear from most taxpayers today is, well, where's the rest of my tax dollars going? They know half of it's going to education. Mm -hmm. Well, in, 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 in actual fact, Robert, I think we've done a better job of informing taxpayers over the last uh, uh, while than was done for a long time. I mean, the reports that are put out, uh, every year show the proportion on pie charts of what comes from what uh, source and, and what goes out to, to what source. So if people don't know, it's because they don't want to find out. I would agree with you on, on one issue very, very clearly. The action of the current uh, Ontario government downloading onto the municipality uh, services like ambulance services, like the public health uh, services, uh, like all the soft services that uh, social assistance and so on, the soft services. I agree that doesn't belong on a regressive property tax.
And I think that was, uh, I mean, it was a complete scam for them to talk about this as disentanglement uh, between the provincial and the Ontario government and try to sell it as though this was some kind of cutting of red tape and all the rest of it. Because what it does mean is that it puts down to a municipal level, to a very, very close uh, level uh, at, in the municipal uh, forum, uh, decision-making about services that affect not only the citizens who are paying the taxes for those services mm -hmm. in the particular municipality, but affect us all. And I think the best example of that is public health. Because, uh, frankly, if, if we uh, have an epidemic, as apparently we do right now, uh, and uh, that is not done on a provincial basis, that the prevention and the, the action on that is not done on a provincial basis, uh, if it's up to local decision-making, whether some of these programs are, are followed vigorously, that's a very, very serious problem for all of us. And it shouldn't be up to local municipalities where municipal councillors... Uh, uh, very often vote depending on how many phone calls they had in the three hours before the council meeting. That's not good public policy. Uh, we're, we're listening to uh, Talk of the Town with Dan Golfer, Jim Chapman. It's left, right, and center. And we have Marion Boyd and Bob Metz in the studio with us. And we started talking about our standard of living. And we were asking, are we, you know, we're comparing it to countries or are we comparing it? sounds to me right now we're talking about standard of living here in Ontario, here in London. And have we had a better standard of living in the past five years? Um, I don't think we have. I think that uh, we're, it, it's not getting any better and that you have people like Deputy Prime Minister Herb Gray on the air saying uh, that we've got all this tax relief already and more coming. And I, it clearly indicates to me that they are out of touch. They're out of time, and that's what we had pointed out this morning. We had one frustrated caller well, saying... You're objecting to the tax relief? Is that you're saying? I'm, I'm saying that we, we're not seeing it. It's, oh. not, it's not coming down to the wallet. It's not coming down, it's not in the purse strings here. Larry uh, is on the phone, and if you have a call you'd like to call us this morning, we'd appreciate your comments. 643-1290, star 1290 on the Cantel Network. Good morning, Larry, and thanks for calling left, right, and center. Good morning, uh, Dan. Uh Bob and Marion. Morning, Larry. I, I do not see any tax relief. I worked with the federal government for 21 years. I lost my job because of the federal cutback. I'm earning what they call a dropped income. And a dropped income is where you're making less than, than your previous job, and I don't see any, any tax relief. I'm a renter. And one question is, why is it that people on social assistance and or welfare get rental rebate checks where a, a working person, poor working person, does not? I mean, whichever one can answer that question. Thank you, Larry. Thanks for your call. Why would that be, Marion? Well, I'm, I'm not sure what he means by a rebate. Um, uh, frankly, I'm, I'm not. I'm not quite clear on what he's talking about in terms of a rebate. Um, if what he's saying is that there is assisted housing for uh, people who uh, are are low income or or no income other than social assistance, certainly we have some assisted housing. There are about 1,500 families on the waiting list for assisted housing here in uh, London, mm. so we're not doing very well with that. But he's right. There are some people, and it's based on it's based on eligibility criteria that include uh, income and, and size of family and, uh, and level of need. Hmm. Bob, do you have a well, thought the, on that? You know, the issue is that need is always only applied to people who are unemployed or, or who can be defined by the government as being in need. As soon as you're working out there, even if you're working at a, at a low wage, you're not really in the need category anymore. Um, again, I, I don't think that 
taxes is, are, are the issue. Marion was talking before about how there is sort of an accounting of all the monies and and and, and saying that she 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 doesn't really like the idea of downloading from the provinces, but. Whether people in Toronto pay for our ambulance service or people in London pay for it, it seems to me it's more rational to have people in London pay for London ambulance service than people in Toronto. But I would agree I wouldn't put it on the property tax base. That's part of a, uh, of a health care system budget. And so, so many of our services that are being provided are being hidden in different budgets. A half of what the school boards have to deal with today should be in a social services budget or in, in a health care budget, and they're dumping it all on the education budget so that they can get more money out of our, our education tax base. And then they put things like uh, other health care issues, like ambulance services, and they put that on the, on the municipal tax base. The City of London just had to cough up I don't know how many million dollars to put in a new, new sciences center, or health center, rather. Um, and this trend is going to continue as long as we think that uh, everybody owes everybody else an equal standard of living and, and has to pay the same amount. Y you know, if you make a little bit of money or less money than someone else, what that means to you economically is that your priorities have to be made differently, that you have to make sure that you take care of your necessities first. And in terms of being able to live relatively cheaply in Canada today, you can do it. If you, if you make the right decisions and you don't insist on having two cars and a four-bedroom house and, and all those We're things. We're talking very, which, very which different, which the government different wants issues to practically take away living from here, Robert. Yeah. I, don't, I don't, don't you think there's an attack on the middle class and on, <coughs> and on, on, on the family that wants to have the, the two-car garage and that standard of living? I we mean, the government... Like the assumption, it's like the assumption last week we were reading in the newspapers where they wanted to put another tax on these big... Uh, four by four sports utility vehicles, you know, assuming and this, you know, assuming that if you can afford it, right, then you can afford the yeah. extra tax. Now that's a big assumption because if I'm a big man and I ha I elect to have a family of five, I need a big vehicle mm -hmm. like that. Doesn't necessarily mean I can afford it, but I need it for the safety of my family. But there are big vehicles that are, are vans that are in the twenty to $25,000 range rather than a sports utility in the fifty dollars to $60,000 range. I mean, Robert is quite right. We mm -hmm. make different choices. We do cut our cloth. Uh, but you still, know. that's no reason to uh, penalize extra somebody just because you happen to figure that they have some more money. That's, that's ridiculous. Um, why not just go out in the street and see anybody who's dressed well and pick their pocket? I mean, is there any moral difference between those two things? I think there's a huge things? difference between, <laughs> between an extra surcharge that's, that's directed that way and a progressive tax system that's based on income. You're listening to Left, Right, and Center. On the left is Marion Boyd. On the right is Bob Metz. In the center, Dan Golfer, Jim Chapman. Talk of the Town continues on 1290 CJBK right after this. And good morning. It's left, right, and center. On the left, Marion Boyd. On the right, Bob Metz. In the center, Dan Golfer, Jim Chapman. Good morning to you. It's, uh, we're just talking about the standard of living and having Herb Gray on the air and how I, um, you know, I personally feel he's a little out of touch, as uh, most politicians are, with regards to the real grassroots Canadian and the standard of, uh, standard of living of which we have. Uh, Herb Gray, the Deputy Prime Minister, seems to think that we have a better standard of living uh, and the bottom line on the pocketbook now than we did four or five years ago. Uh, let's go to Scott. Scott's on the uh, cell phone. Good morning, Scott. Good morning. Uh, my question for you is, uh, due to the taxes on, I uh, have a sport utility vehicle, which I happen to buy used, and I had to pay the taxes on that again, which the taxes were paid for 
once when it was bought new, and I'm actually the third person to buy it, and taxes were paid three times on the same vehicle. How can they get away with that? Because what they tax is exchange. Every time you exchange anything, like if but technically we're thousands of dollars. Well, it's it's criminal. I agree with you, and they get away with it because people like you and I aren't doing enough about it, and we keep voting in the parties that that put these taxes on. Well, if you're going to have a sales tax, though, you're going to you're going to charge it whether it's the the third time something's been sold or exactly. the first time. I mean, and and that's the same with the GST. I mean, it's not as though it's only charged once. Um, that was the whole argument against the GST uh, that was made, that this is, this is, in fact, piling up the taxes every time a good or a service exchanges hands, no matter how often that is. And that's why it's such a cash cow for the federal government, why they haven't kept their, their promise to do away with it. Yes. But, okay. but you're right, Scott. I mean, over and over and over again, and, and Bob, I agree with you, it is, it is semi-criminal. Well... And but on the other hand, you know, there's a lot of people that agree that they want they want their free health care service, they want free education. It comes out of all this money that they're taking. And, Nothing's free. And uh, well, this, there's there's two different kinds of free. There's freedom, which which means we take responsibility for our own choices and pay for them ourselves. And then there's free, which is the kind of freedom we seem to be getting sold by the major parties who always want to give us free goodies at our own expense. You know, I'd like to see a law passed whereby every single promise that, an, uh, that a person who puts himself up for election makes must come with a price tag attached, and that that price must be na made known to the voter before he votes for him. It's like going into a parking lot and find, you know, used car parking lot and going and looking for a car, and then buying the car, having gone through the whole process without once ever having discussed the price. And you worry about the price after you've bought it and taken it off the lot, and then they tell you, "Oh, it's a hundred thousand dollars, sir." Sorry, <laughs> you know, but that's what you're going to pay. That's how government runs. Well, so it isn't entirely true, Robert. And 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 as you know, um, I don't disagree with you that people should know the, the the price of things. I think you do that to the extent that you can, always knowing that price. circumstances change over time, and that uh, governments, the income that governments get, the tax revenue that governments get. Um, change changes rapidly with the economic uh, times. So that right now we're in boom times, and the government, uh, particularly the federal government, uh, its its budgets, its its income is is showing very clearly that that boom time is being reflected in those taxes. But it doesn't take very much for for that income to drop very rapidly. If you suddenly go into a period of recession, if you suddenly go into a, a period of high unemployment, we have that been, revenue drops like a stone. But we have been in a boom uh, time for a while. I mean... Since 1994. Now, with that said, Scott, uh, the question goes back to you. Are Do you find you have a higher standard of living since... What did you say, 1994, you think? No. In 1994, we began to recover from the recession. Okay. It, no, I don't believe so. I do not believe I have a standard, a higher standard of living. Has it worsened, or is it just is, is a standard? No, it's, it's pretty well the same, because if you make uh, an extra uh, 10 cents an hour at work, it costs you an extra 20 cents at the store for taxes. Well, one of the issues, of course, has been that there's been a, a, a freeze on, there was a freeze on wages that, that, that certainly went for a fairly long period of time yeah, in I, the public services. There's no question about that. And certainly bargaining was very, very hard in the private sector as, as well. But the, the, good, the good fortune is that, in fact, they, the uh, inflation rate has been relatively low. 
Um, and and so uh, I think Statistics Canada, I would agree with you, Scott, that, that you can show an erosion of, of family income uh, because the inflation rate has, even though it's low, has risen higher than the average wage increase. Um, that is not true for people who are at the higher income brackets. You know, we see in a factory, for example, huge increases in the executive salaries and bonusing and all and stock options at the same time that the company is saying they can't possibly afford 10 cents an hour more for the worker. Mm -hmm. I can relate. <laughs> yeah. Scott, thank you for your call. Thank you very much. All right. Bye-bye. You're listening to Left, Right, and Center with Marion Boyd, Bob Metz, and Dan Golf or Jim Chapman. We move to Ivan now. Ivan, good morning, I, and thanks I, for calling. Hi, Dan. How are you? Very well, thank you. Well, I'll say thanks. I'm 68 years young. I don't have a car. People that can't afford it should sell their cars. I don't have t cable television. People that can't afford things, they should get rid of their cable television. They should quit smoking. They should quit drinking. They should quit going to the bingo halls. I live very well. I catch a bus at my corner. I go down to the Huron and Adelaide. Do my grocery shopping because I prepare well before I go. I catch the bus and come back all in one dollar and five cents. I, I agree with Bob. If you organize your life, I'll tell you something. Life is great. Well, I will. Uh, Absolutely. Did you, did you work hard? At, uh, are you still working? I've never worked a day in my life, and you know why? Because I, I haven't worked a day in my life because everything I ever do in life, I love doing it. And when you love doing something, you never work. Anybody that goes to work to work should be ashamed of themselves. Do you, do you so you, uh, you have a higher standard of living then, is what you're saying? Well, I've always had a good standard of living. And this is a fallacy about the recessions. I sold in the recessions, door to door. And I earned more money in the recessions than I did in the so-called good times. That's true of a lot There's of no people. There's no saying goes, you know. People could get a, take a lesson from the barnyard chicken and the rooster. You know, when it's cold and all the food freezes in the ground, they don't go to the government looking for handouts. You know what they do? They just scratch harder. That's what they do. Just scratch. Go out and work. But you, Ivan, you see, this is part of the problem in Canada. If you scratch harder, the government scratches harder at you, too. And that, this is what Marion's defending, is a progressive form of income tax, where if, if the people that go out and make that extra effort to make it, they get penalized extra I over the people that won't right. do the scratching. But and therefore, they don't scratch. That's why people like you and I should continue to run in politics. So we, so we get rid of these unfair taxes, Bob. You know that. We should have a flat tax system. That's what we should have, I Absolutely. believe. Yeah. So anybody that. that's complaining, and these people that go and say, the rich this, the rich that, do you realize if it wasn't for the rich, we'd be in bad trouble? If it wasn't for the rich like the Ivies, the University of Western Ontario would still be a one-school, one-room schoolhouse. The yeah. millions of dollars they put into it. That, that's true, Ivan, but at, at the same time, though, yes? you have uh, a situation where... As Marion pointed out, the executives raking a dollar sign after dollar sign with their stock options, with their higher increases, and yet at the end of the day, I'm sorry, a hard worker, we have nothing left for well, you. People are jealous of the executives. These executives deserve it. 
I was an executive, I sure as hell would deserve it. You can't make a judgment on an executive salary just because you see it's a big number. Maybe the reason he got the raise is because he saved everybody's jobs. That's right. Although he may not have been able to give them a raise. I wonder how much the Eatons earned one after another, heading up Eatons, uh, which uh, they managed badly, and now well, lots of people are They managed badly, and now they're paying the price. All but, that and means. so are all of their employees. Well, well, they paid in money over that period of time. One more question. Sure, Ivan, go ahead. Sure. I wonder how many jobs Marion has produced. Just I wonder how many people that she's ever hired and put into the economy to run the economy. I don't think any. Well, that's not well, the case. Well, you've never been. You've never run a company. You you've always worked with the government. I ran a small business, which uh, it was a non-profit how company, many but it's exactly hire? the same. How many? Uh, yeah, how many we, people did you hire? Uh, we had about seven full-time and about three part-time when I was. You've not, you really never ran a business. Well, I'm sorry. Well, I, you're I not know right. That. You, you see, I tell you, I ran business. I put hundreds of thousands of dollars into the economy of London, and I lived well. I hired twelve people to install my siding. Hey, Ivan. Yes. I guess you demand. Hey, pardon? I guess you're the man. Absolutely. I tell you something. If I wanted money today, you know what I would do? I would phone up a siding company, and I would say, hey, look, I'd like a job. And I'd take my car, I'd go and lease a car, and I'd park my car on one side of the street, and I'd go knocking doors. And you know something? At the end of the week, I earned myself a real good earning. Thanks for your call, Ivan. We appreciate it. We're going to run now. 643-1290, star 1290 on the Cantel Network. I think the point is taken, though. I mean, I, I, I agree with what both of you are saying here. Uh, you, we can't really, you know, accuse or point the wag the finger at the executives, but you can when you're giving it to the employees. Well, there's, it, a, there's a responsibility on the part of an executive to an employee in terms of his ability to meet the contract that he's made with that person. But if he cannot meet, meet that, as is the case with Eaton's, and by the way, one of the characteristics of a capitalist economy versus a socialist one is that in a capitalist economy, we allow failure. We don't pe put people in jail for failing economically. And we allow the failure to happen. Eaton's will not go away. It will be bought by someone else, as always happens. And yes, there will be displacement and upset and stuff in between, but it's not the end of the world. It just means a new set of owners are going to take over a business if there's a viable business there in the first place. And and Eaton's is is is, is you know... I can't remember the last time I went to Eaton's. They stopped serving me as a customer like years and years mm -hmm. ago, and that just has to be part of the reason that mm -hmm. they went under. Mm -hmm. So we can't be blaming the executives in, in the sense that Marion means, like they owe this this eternal job to the employees. I don't think that's the issue. Is, think, that, is think, that what you're no, saying? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that when a company is profitable uh, and it's, it's, it's earning profits, as we see the banks earning profits, uh, up in the in the double digits in in the case of the banks uh, up up over thirty percent, and at the same time we see those banks um, getting rid of of employee after employee, getting rid of the small branches that serve uh, customers, uh, more and more and more cost reduction for them, which means more and more direct profit. Um, I think we need to ask very seriously what's going on. Well, the main issue is, are you getting your service? If you're not, you won't go there anymore, and they won't have that profit, because there won't be your money there well, to profit again, from. Robert, you're, you're thinking from the perspective of somebody who lives in a relatively large city where there are choices. In many small towns in Ontario, there is no choice. There's one bank in town, and if that bank closes, 
then you have to go 15, 25 miles down yeah, the road. I, I and maybe that bank has also closed. And but by the way, did you know that Eaton's gave their employees a big raise just about three or four months before they declared bankruptcy? I know my sister-in-law worked for Eaton's for years in Peterborough. For years. 16, started at 16, ended at 32, and got squashed. That's right. Exactly. Well, see, so I just clipped an article out of the free press. Uh, you I know, know just that about three, four months fact. earlier, where all the employees were questioning why they were getting this raise because they kept hearing all these rumors that the company was in trouble. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, it's easy to give a raise. It's easy to give a raise if you know you're not going to be around to have to pay it. Right. But, but, <laughs> but beyond that, I think I think it was a way for the company to to protect their employees because knowing that they're going to be unemployed, uh, to make sure they get higher UI premiums. Or UI payments, if, if, well, if, if when it, you get unemployed, you're case, paid at then this the, rate. The fraud squad better take a look. Well, I think that, that it's a pretty regular <laughs> uh, regular happening with a lot of companies. Well, then I, I don't... There's no way you could prove it. Well, I, I, think it's, I think if you can't prove it, it's very dangerous to say something like that. Well, publicly. why would a company give its employees a, a pay increase just before look, it's The management under? of that company uh, was, was obviously so flawed that I wouldn't even begin to to imagine why they would do something like that. I mean, this is a company that, in fact, I, I believe very strongly, their desire to prevent their, their uh, staff from unionizing years ago, one of the most awful union fights Matter that fact, there ever has been, we were the destroyed a lot of our downtowns because what they, the whole issue of that on putting, putting these, um, putting these uh, uh, big shopping centers that are private property up was led by Eaton's in conjunction with Campo. And the, the major issue here was to ensure that because they were on private property, people couldn't, couldn't uh, uh, picket, uh, that there couldn't be any job action because of the private property. And, and, Nor you know, should you be allowed to pick it on somebody else's property. Well, the idea and that's, is obscene. Well, uh, that, should I be allowed to go on your front lawn and pick it because I disagree with something that you happen to believe in? Should I be allowed to do that? Uh, you and I have had this discussion before. Someone's well, private property in terms of their own home, I would agree with a you. A business I don't think is that's private property. No, a business... Well, it is when you when you what you do is you gut the downtown and you put everything into a shopping center that's owned privately, and then of course it becomes a whole different. So aspect. if it were owned by the really government, we we'd be better off. Here and in many other like the convention countries. center and the art gallery and the library and all those things are better for us than 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 gallery. I don't agree with any of them. I think downtown's a disaster as long as politicians keep meddling with the properties mm. down there. As an investor, I would never go near the place because you wouldn't know what they were going to think from one year to the next. And, and you just wouldn't have any sense of security. You know, I was listening to a talk show last week on my way. I was down to St. Catharines. And they were doing a Thanksgiving talk show. And uh, what are you thankful for? And I heard, you know, I heard all kinds of things. And well, I was driving my car and I was thinking, what am I thankful for? And... I honestly said this to myself, I'm thankful that we have people, capitalists, that have made a buck, that have been able, to, that I've been able to be uh, employed, to be able to afford stuff for my family, you know, and I'm thankful that there are people out there uh, that, you know, whether it be the Eaton family, that at once upon a time, you know, as the Eaton story unfolds, it's a sad story, uh, it's a highly debated story, but the bottom line, they did create a thousands of jobs and i'm thankful for people that the entrepreneurs for the businessman that you know has can employ people 
but the bottom line, when I do a job, uh, I'll give you an example. Right here today, it was on a handshake. Can you fill in for Jim Chapman? Certainly I can. You'll pay me X amount of dollars. I'll do that. They don't owe me anything mm -hmm. more than that. I don't owe them. I can, all, all I can give them is my very best. And all they can give me is the money that we agreed to. They don't owe me anything more than that. But when the company comes into, uh, can announce publicly that they've made X amount of dollars and that their workers are still oppressed or still, you know, nothing else is coming out. I mean, listen, there's, there's a reason why the company is earning that. And sure. it may not just be the executives that are doing it. That's right. It's the people that are, that are in the trenches, that are rolling up the sleeves. But you see, the price of labor is not determined necessarily by what the productivity of the labor is. It depends on the labor pool that's out there. If you're in the radio business, you're competing with other people in the radio business. And if they were willing to do your job at half the price, well, then maybe that another person might be sitting here. It doesn't matter how rich the employer is or how much money the employer is making. If I'm a trillionaire and I make a deal with somebody to pay them two bucks an hour and that's the deal, that's the deal. And as long as the person's happy with that deal and signs voluntarily, yep. Yep. Th that, but then Bob, that's it. But Bob, uh, an, employer does, uh, a, an employer and entrepreneur does not get rich by finding the cheapest labor they can get. That's true, and I agree. And that's Takes why the whole analogy is ridiculous to begin with. They're going to pay what they have to pay for their labor. They're not going to pay more. That would be irresponsible to themselves, to the company, to their employees as well, as strange as that may seem, because... I was in a company that was downsized. I lost my job after about a decade with a big trust company, and it was because they were getting top-heavy, and they were guaranteeing everybody's jobs and trying to do everything for everybody and, and paying, paying people way too much, including myself, and I knew it. And when I saw that coming, you know, you could see the writing on the wall. This, this, this uh, you know, manna from heaven wasn't going to keep coming forever. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one day you get the notice and you realize, yeah, this is the way the world works. Mm -hmm. You know, eventually you, you, you start these kinds of practices. We're not going to be around too much longer. Mm -hmm. So there's that, you know, there's that responsibility that people have. And, and let me tell you, I've been on the employer end of things and on the employee end of things. And if you want to go to bed with headaches and worries and, and taking risks and worrying about whether you're going to have your home, you're going to be on the employer end of things. And that's why they get paid extra, because they're the people pay, taking the risks. Uh, this is, this um, is, this is uh, you know, looking at this from a very narrow perspective. I can just imagine the headaches and the worry that most nurses have who work in the health system when they see uh, the inadequacy of of services. they're uh, not in the, the marketplace. They're, they're, they're in a government They certainly shop. are in the, in the marketplace. They're very much in the marketplace, and with the shortage of nurses, you will see how much in the marketplace they are, because they are, a well, they are going to be able to charge more for their services and to insist that those services be remunerated properly, because they're in a, in a shortage situation. I see no reason why people shouldn't be paying their own medical costs. Well, uh, let's not go into them. that today. Why not? You and I have had this argument many times, and you know <laughs> that that's only fine if you have the dollars. There are lots of people and in our society who don't have the dollars. Then to you pay help for the people help. who don't have the dollars, uh, but our system doesn't do that, does it? It helps everyone, rich and poor alike. So that there are is no money left for the poor people, you know, and therefore what we're it ensures is, is equitable services for rich and poor, and that's the difference between us. Universal well, Medicare exist. doesn't exist. It's Universal Medicare is designed to ensure that if I have a, a a bursting appendix, I get the same service whether I make ten dollars. Uh, a week or a hundred thousand. You're listening to Left, Right, and Center on 1290 CJBK. Back after this. It's Left, Right, and Center on the left, Marion Boyd. On the right, Bob Metz. In the center, Dan Golfer, Jim Chapman. Welcome back. And uh, 
We were just sitting during commercial break going, uh... <laughs> Actually, you made an interesting comment during that break. You said, uh, you know, just reviewing everything we discussed in the show so far, you said it, it all comes down to money. And I would say, yeah, money's at the focus of it, but that's not the issue. The issue is whose money and whose services. And, and you know, Marion's always saying that all I'm interested in, in my point of view, is money, money, money. When, I'm, when, when I would go back to her and say, well, no, all the social programs you want require other people's money. You just take it from them. Hmm. Um, you know, like, I agree with Marion that circumstances change when government makes certain commitments. That's why the government shouldn't be in most of the things that it's in. It should be a referee in the game, not a player. And that when circumstances change in our lives, we change our priorities. We change what, what is more important to us. We change our budgets. Uh, that situation. But, and yeah, it's all money because money represents uh, a person's time, his effort, the results of his labors or lack thereof. And whether some people do better than others is not a moral issue at all. It's not a, it shouldn't be a social issue. I mean, sure, society can say it, it wants to prevent serious starvation and terrible, you know, physically debilitating things. But the idea that everyone's got to be equal ab above and beyond that, in the sense that we've all got to make the same amount of money, that we've all got to pay the same amount of taxes, uh, that's ridiculous. It, it shouldn't be that way. And I never said anything like uh, that, well, of course. I never said everybody should make the same amount of money or that everybody should pay well, the result. same dollar taxes. No, it isn't. By making richer people pay more taxes, you're bringing them down closer to the middle class. And really, you should leave money in the hands of rich people because they can make even more money with yeah, it and employ yeah, even more yeah, people with yeah, it. Yeah, sure. By investing uh, offshore, doesn't matter. Uh, like Paul Martin, by uh, uh, taking all their dollars out of the country and not adding to the the economy at all by it's driving down wages, Every by driving down benefits, by trying to increase the the uh, the amount of profit they can make by driving down the cost on the back of the people who are trying to do the work. Well, m first of all, you know, like money that leaves the country has to come back. Every Canadian dollar is a check drawn on the on the Bank of Canada, so that if money is leaving the country, that's a good sign in the sense that products are coming in or something's coming in in exchange for it. If not, the money will come back, and it's going to come back one way or the other. The nations we trade with, when they have our dollars, they, they have to use those dollars and get them back to us in order to exchange them for something of value, which is products and services. So the more money that leaves the country, uh, you know, that's the same as saying products are leaving the country. No. Yeah, they are, and they actually, should be. Actually, we, actually, Robert, that may have been money true. Comes in. That may have been true at one time. But right now, it's the trade in money... The, the actual trade in money, the flipping around of dollars from one place to another without any appreciable benefit is a problem. Well, that and you we're can seeing see. that happen. People don't right do things with their money the, right across the board. they see a benefit. I mean, I'm, I'm not suggesting more money for more people. Where we got on this topic is I want more money in my pocketbook. I don't need more well, you money want lower for my taxes. employer. Exactly. National Post in the summer had a, um, a poll conducted on tax outrage on Canadians, and it was overwhelmingly... Who did it? The Fraser Institute? No, it was... Uh, I think it was Conrad, uh, Conrad uh, Research or something. Ah, oh, I wonder, <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. Tubby strikes again. <laughs> well, does that invalidate the poll, Marion? It probably only does, because polls we, don't, are valid? we don't know what the question is. Uh, these well, polls, polls are valid? These polls that are, are, are reported it was, on... It was, it was done by Compass, by the way. Was it? Okay. Yes. These polls that are, are, are done, if they don't tell you what the question is, uh, can often give you results that are, that are very strange. I would expect that if they were doing a poll of National Post 
customers, uh, given the very uh, strong uh, selling job that has been done by the Conrad Black Empire to try and, and uh, uh, ensure that only a right-wing point of view ever gets published in that paper. Um, it, it, that I, it wouldn't surprise me to hear people say that. Wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, it didn't say it was on the readers. I think they said that it was on Canadians, and it was a full. It was actually uh, very intriguing in that it was a, a, a supplement with the paper. I don't, you, didn't, uh, you didn't see it. Uh, I would be caught dead with the National Post. <laughs> now, why would you say that? Now, Marianne? why would you say that, yes. Marion? I read that faithfully. Uh, no, I, 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 read, I read both. I am spectrum. a customer, Robert, in your in your sense, in capitalist sense. Mm -hmm. The one thing I have when I disagree as vehemently as I do with someone like Conrad Black is I don't have to buy what he's selling. And that's my right, and that's... That's that's funny, you know, my inclination is to not buy the publications that I agree with and buy more of the ones that I disagree with so that I can understand the other point of view and deal with it, you know? Like, to me, that, that tells me more about what's happening with the country and how people are thinking. Like, uh, but, you know, you talk about taxes. You ask nine out of ten people if they think they're overtaxed. I can't believe you're going to tell me most of them will say no or that there's going to be some other kind of result. No, I, and I'm, I wouldn't disagree with that at all. I, I think people are feeling overtaxed because uh, they keep getting bombarded by people like you with, with the information that they're overtaxed. Nobody talks about what those taxes uh, pay for. Nobody like her... her well, her, I better keep her quiet then. Everybody be happy. <laughs> does not talk about does not talk about the fact that uh, the reason we're in number one place in the world to live is that we have services that we are sharing the cost. From the left, Marion Boyd. On the right, Bob Metz. In the center, Dan Gall. On behalf of Jim Chapman, thank you very much for joining us this morning. Dan, and we'll do it again tomorrow on Talk of the Town, tomorrow morning at 9. I'm Dan Gall for Jim Chapman. Thanks for listening.